0: Morning, onechurch.tv. How are you guys doing today? Fantastic. My name is Chris, and I want to welcome all of you guys who are watching in Theater 16. If you're over in the video theater watching in uh, Video 15, if you're at home and you're watching this on Facebook Live or on One Church online, I just want to have a huge shout out. I was just texting a lady by the name of Noreen. She's watching right now. I want to say hello, Noreen. And uh, we're so glad that you guys chose to hang out with us today. We're in week three of this series we're calling Go Fish. And again, if this is your first time with us today, you couldn't have picked a better time to hang out with us. We teach in series here at OneChurch.tv, and we're talking about this in this Go Fish series that from the very beginning, when Jesus actually had that first conversation with his disciples, and they first started following him, Jesus made his agenda for them very, very clear up front. He says, here's what, I'm going to call you, and when you follow me, I'm going to make you into something. He says, I'm going to make you into a fisher of men, a fisher of people. And they didn't care anything about that, because you don't care anything about that, and I probably don't care anything about that. We followed Jesus, but purely out of selfish reasons, just like the disciples. They followed Jesus because he filled their boat with fish. I followed Jesus because I didn't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven because I grew up on those churches that talked a lot about hell and they, they yelled at you and spit flew and all that stuff. Right? Uh, maybe for some of you, you started following Jesus because maybe there was an addiction, maybe a relationship was going south, your finances were just going belly up. And you're like, God, I need your help. Uh, You needed purpose. You needed meaning in your life. And you cried out to God. And here's the great thing about that is that God answers those prayers. He cares for you, that he is for you. And what's, what's so cool is even though we follow Jesus and it wasn't about fishing, eventually, if you follow Jesus long enough, you will become a fisher of people. It just happens. Because the disciples did that and they followed Jesus and they shared it with other people and they shared it with more people and then they shared it with the next generation who shared it with the next generation. And 2,000 years later, here we sit in a movie theater in Clarksville, Tennessee, and we're talking simply that to follow Jesus is to fish. Now, I ask you guys to do some homework. And I know, because I'm talking to one church people, that uh, you guys are like, right, and you didn't do the homework. So I'm just going to challenge you, if you haven't done the homework, here's what I ask you guys to do. I simply ask you to write a note, write a letter to the person who introduced you to Jesus, whatever that looks like. Maybe you were a kid, maybe you were a teenager, whatever that looks like, and write that letter. You can send it to them or not, it's your call. This past week, I actually sent my letter to David, the person who basically reintroduced me to Jesus Christ. And I'm asking you to do this because of two reasons. Number one, for those who are Christians, I want pretty much to remind you that you were once fish. That at one time, you were apart from God and somebody loved you enough to tell you about God. And the second simply reason is simply that you would re-experience that moment, that you would re-experience those emotions and it could possibly motivate you to move past some of your fears and to begin God to allow you to be fishers of people. If you haven't written your note, write it, okay? Come on now, write it. So, Now, last week, we simply asked this question, why should we fish? Why do we need to talk about this? Because here's what I know. For some of you, maybe you're not a Christian, and you're like, why why are Christians always telling me about their faith? And for some of you, you may grow up, and you're like, you feel like it's wrong trying to change people's opinions about faith or what they believe and all of that stuff. And we talked about, last week, is simply this. Did you know that Christianity is not a belief system? You see, Christianity is not a belief system. It's not about just a new way of thinking. Christianity isn't new ethics or new morality. No, Christianity is about an event. It's not about a book. It's not about a 2,000-year-old Bible. It's about an event, get this, that happened in history. That Jesus died and He rose again, and guess what? You don't know history unless somebody what tells you about it. Exactly right. If if seventeen seventy six, right? You're never going to know about the Declaration of Independence if somebody doesn't tell you about it. Right? It's the same way when it comes to the event that literally split time in two. That Jesus Christ, He was He died. He was buried, and he was resurrected, and that's the reason why you and I need to talk about it. Isn't it interesting that for us, those of us who are Christians in here today, we're so glad that somebody talked to us about it. We're so glad somebody kind of confronted us about it or sat down, maybe gave us the card, the invite card, the book, the CD, uh, whatever that is. We're so glad somebody told us about Jesus, but do not ask me to go and talk and share my faith. Not Gonna do it. And you know what? Another reason why most of us, we choose not to be fishers of men and choose not to share our faith? It's one word. Anybody want to guess? Exactly right fear. We are afraid. We're afraid. And you know what? I get it. I, I may be a pastor, I may have went to seminary, all that stuff, but every time when I go to share my faith, I get fearful. Because what if they reject? Maybe you reject the message, yeah, but what if they reject me? I mean, what if they ask me a hard question? I mean, that's kind of how it processes, maybe you kind of the same way. What if they ask me a hard question? What if I sound stupid, right? Or what if it gets awkward? What if it gets uncomfortable for you? What if you get fired? Uh, wh- what if uh, they walk away? What if it risks the relationship? What if I say it wrong? What if, what if, what if? And it all based down to we are afraid. And you know what? I, I've been there, guys. I'm going to share with you a time where i just I was scared to death about just telling somebody about God. Man, why do we get so afraid? Well, if you're fearful in here, and if you raised your hand, if you're fearful was your thing, I want to thank you for being honest. If you didn't, uh, you also need to get a, uh, a lesson in truth-telling. But here's what I know. Okay, we're all we get, fr- we get afraid. And if you're fearful, you're in good company. Because guess what? Jesus' disciples, they were scared to death as well. Let me tell you a couple of instances. Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, and it's the night in which he's going to be arrested. And uh, the next day, he's going to be hanging on a cross. And the temple guards come, and they come to arrest Jesus. And all of his disciples, they scatter. They scatter. Why? Because they're afraid. They're fearful. And the leader of the disciples, his name is Peter. He goes and he kind of follows Jesus from a distance all through that morning and that evening. And uh, this little girl comes up to Peter and says, aren't you a Galilean? I can tell by your accent. Didn't you, aren't you a follower of Jesus? And you know what Peter did? He cussed this little girl out. He said, that, I mean, that, these are the people we're supposed to follow. What? He cussed this girl and said, I blankety blank blank don't know the man. I mean, Peter is afraid and he is scared and he is just like you and is just like me. But fast forward six weeks and we see now, and we looked at this story last week, Peter's no longer afraid. And Peter has learned something. And it's the very thing I'm hoping that you and I will learn today. So this is kind of a part two of last week. If you didn't hear last week, you're welcome to go back on our app and you're welcome to listen to it. But let me just kind of bring you up to speed. Six weeks has passed since Jesus was buried, resurrected, died, and now he ascended into heaven. That's what Christians believe. And six weeks later, Peter and John and all the other church members, the church is growing. And last week we saw Peter and John going into the temple to pray about three o'clock in the afternoon. And they passed by this lame beggar who couldn't walk, this homeless person with the guitar case, you know, you know, we'll work for food or whatever that. And the the guy, the beggar asked Peter and John, hey, I need some money. And uh, Peter and John were good preachers. Hey, we ain't got no money, but we'll give you what we got in the name of Jesus Christ. Get up and walk. And what happens is this person who's been lame from birth who's never walked any in his life he starts getting up and his muscles start forming and he starts getting stronger and he starts walking and then he starts jogging and then he starts running and he starts skipping and jumping and he's so excited and Peter and John have went into the temple to pray because hey the, the, some of you they got just like you guys you got here late for church and hey the music's already started we got to go in there right so Peter and John go in there and the lame guy finds Peter and John and like, oh my gosh, I can't, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And all of this crowd starts to assemble because they've seen this guy begging at the temple gate for years. And the crowd starts forming and Peter's like, hey, I got a sermon. So Peter starts preaching a sermon. And he starts talking about Jesus in the middle of the temple. And the Jews there were so frustrated, so angry, because you, I mean, this is wrong. I mean, this, we're Jews, we're the Ten Commandments, we're Moses. You know what? You can talk about God, you can talk about religion, but don't talk about Jesus. It's kind of like our culture today. We don't care if you pray by yourself, we don't care if you do whatever, but don't mention Jesus, right? Don't talk about Jesus, because that's offensive, That's offensive. We need to be all-inclusive, and God is just whoever whatever. So this was very offensive to the religious Jews. So they have Peter and John arrested, and they throw them in jail overnight. And then last week, we saw that Peter and John, uh, they get summoned to the religious leaders, and they said, hey, why are you doing this? And we read this verse last week. This is how Peter responded. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other what? Name Name under heaven by which we must be saved. God has done something unique. And if we don't talk about it, guess what? Nobody's going to know because this isn't just a belief system. We have seen something and we have heard something. We've seen Jesus die. We've seen him rose again. And we can't be quiet. So that's what we saw last week. So now the religious people, they don't know what to do. So they have them flogged and they send Peter and John home. And that's where we pick up. And as Peter and John are on the way home, way back to the house where everybody's praying, because they're thinking, well, Peter and John are going to be killed. There's a conversation that we're not privy to that Peter and John is having on the way back from getting out of jail. Now, they're having this conversation, and I don't know what they said, but I can tell you, if I was part of that conversation, if I was a person who was just jailed and beaten for my faith, let me tell you how the conversation was went if you were with me. Whew, that was close, right? I mean, that hurt, we got put in jail, and we got we to gotta get smarter than this. I mean, in fact, maybe this isn't what God wants us to do because, hey, I mean, God wouldn't want anybody to be beat. No, he wouldn't want anybody to be arrested. Maybe we should take this thing outside of Jerusalem where it's more receptive. We need to be more careful. And honestly, that's not the conversation Peter and John had. I would have said that, me with very little faith. But they had something totally different going on. And they show up at the house where everybody's praying. And everybody's praying. They're just assuming that Peter and John are dead. Why? Because Jesus, six weeks ago, was killed and murdered for his faith. And if they can wipe out the head, they can wipe out all the followers. So they're assuming the worst that Peter and John will eventually be crucified, or the best case scenario is that they get put in jail for the rest of their lives. But they hear the knock at the door, and Peter and John show up, and they're like, oh! So, And they're like so excited that Peter and John are back there. They're right back at headquarters, and everybody is just like ecstatic, and that's where we pick up today's story. Acts 4.23 says this. On their release, Peter... And John went back to their own people. By the way, how many of y'all have your own people? Right? And now, quick plug for group link. And if you've not gotten into a group, that's where you find your own people. I got my own people right here, right? And we're going to eat some breakfast tonight in our small group tonight, right? Because Jesus loves me. This I know. I'm just saying. You can have breakfast any, but breakfast for supper, is a little bit of heaven. Anyway, I digress. On their release, Peter and John—and by the way, you can get you find your people at group link today. All right, they found their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they heard this, look at this—they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Now, again, if I was part of that prayer meeting, here's some of the things that I would be saying, guys: Peter and John—they've killed Jesus. Now they're the heads of the church. We got to be more careful. Uh, We haven't heard all of Jesus' teaching yet. Uh, Peter, you're supposed to write some books, right? Yeah. Eventually, they're going to be called, want to know? First and second, Peter. Exactly right. Not very original. And then John, guess what? He's going to write a book. You know what we're going to call it? John. Exactly right. It's almost like they had ego issues. I don't know. They really did. But hey, you know what? I got some books we need to write. We almost lost you guys. We got to be more careful and we need to pray that God would bless you and protect you and bless and protect and bless and protect and bless and protect and God, but you would just help us. And if they persecute them, they're going to persecute us. And we don't want to be uncomfortable here. And I mean, we would just got, we got to be more careful. Maybe we need to move this thing somewhere else. That's how I would pray. Can I just say, that's not what the early church prayed. That we dig in and they see something here, they begin to connect some dots. And my prayer for us as a church, that we would be able to catch a glimpse of what they see and what they hear. And they get this 30,000 feet perspective of how, what and how God is moving. And I believe if we could ever catch a glimpse of that, it would bring meaning and hope to some very difficult circumstances that you and I may be going through right now. So they're in the midst of something, something extraordinarily significant. And when they pray, they don't pray the, hey, God, you know, bless this day, and, you know, kind of how we always do. And God, bless me, protect me, and God, let this parking place open up, and, you know, all the menial, willy-nilly things you and I pray about. They go much bigger than that. Let's look at that prayer. Verse 24, they begin it with two words that is amazing, sovereign Lord, sovereign Lord. In other words, God who is large and in charge. In other words, God, even though the fact that our two guys was put in jail and almost killed, even though things didn't go the way we thought they would, we realize now that even though you look like you lost control, You never lost control. You are in control. God, you are in charge. Sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and look at this and everything in them. Look at that. That's some perspective. Maybe we should start all of our prayers like that. That's some context. You see, how do we start our prayers? Let's be honest. How do you start your prayers? Gimme, gimme, gimme. Give me one more time. Give me. God, I need this. I need this. I need more money. I need another promotion. God, I need you to fix my husband. He is driving me nuts. I need you to fix my wife. God, I need you to, I need you to, I need a new marriage. I need a new boyfriend. I need a new girlfriend. I need some help. God, God, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. That's not where they started. They started Sovereign Lord look at what, look what happens here. They start connecting the dots. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, David. In other words, hey, we remember this messianic Psalm. We remember memorizing in his kids, at uh, Psalm chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. We remember how it talks about the Messiah, and when he shows up, it wasn't just going to be smooth sailing. The people were going to come against him, and things were going to get difficult for him. And this is what it says. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through your mouth of your servant David. And here's Psalm chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together. Look at this. Against the Lord and against his anointed one. That word is the word Messiah. Messiah. These people, these, they grew up as kids memorizing this psalm. And they realized that when Messiah showed up, the rulers of this world would come against them. And all of a sudden it dawns on them, oh, we've experienced this. We just saw this six weeks ago. Look at this next verse. Indeed. By the way, that means aha. How many of y'all, you've had an aha moment this week? I've had aha moments this week. You wanna know why? Because I'm married. And when my wife tells me to do something, because I'm a guy, I bow out my chest. I'm like, I don't want to do it that way. I tell this in my mind. I don't say it out loud, because I ain't no dummy, right? And, uh, and, and hey, do it, you know, load the dishwasher this way. And I'm like, Son. all right, whatever. And then I don't, and then once the dishwasher runs, glasses are broken. And then I go, aha, <laughs> now I get it. Here it is, aha. It's coming together, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles, that would be the Romans, and the people of Israel in this city to conspire, look at this, against your holy servant Jesus, whom you... That word anointed is the word Messiah or Christ. That psalm we memorized as children, the psalm that was been quoted by Jews generation after generation, that we look forward to the day that the Messiah would show up and who would dare come against God's anointed one? We just experienced that. We were right in the middle of the fulfillment of prophecy we've been an eyewitness to the activity of God. And listen to this, we almost missed it. They almost missed God moving. And here's the reason why. It's because they were praying for Jesus to be released. We had no idea that God was in in this of Jesus being arrested. And when we were about to crucify him, we prayed for a miracle that he wouldn't die. But he did die and he was crucified. And we thought, God has lost control. But get this, then he was raised from the dead. And we were stupefied. We were mystified to what is going on. Now we get it. This was your plan all along. We've lived through the fulfillment of prophecy. You are the sovereign God. We thought you had left us, but you've been right here beside us all along. Look at this next verse, verse 28. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. We thought that things had spun out of control, but yet you were there the whole time. Little did they know that sovereign God, the guy they played right into your hands, Pontius Pilate was right into your hands, Herod Agrippa, right into your hands. We thought things had fallen apart, but really things were coming together. And I think probably Peter and John are thinking back and they're going, how embarrassing. If I could just go back and relive the past six weeks, that when they showed up in the Garden of Gethsemane, all the guards, that we wouldn't have left Jesus. We would have stuck by our friend. Peter was like, listen, when that little girl came and asked me, hey, do you know Jesus? I cussed her out man, I wish I could go back and redo that because I didn't see the perspective. I didn't see God's perspective here. Look at this next verse. This is, this is the request. Now, they've not done any request up to this point. You see, you and I begin with gimme, gimme, gimme. They haven't got there, but here's what... We, they, and they don't know how to pray. Here's the request. They don't know kind of how to pray because up to this point, the things that they've been praying, God, release Jesus, fix this, fix this mess, They realize God was in all of this. It was God's will for Jesus to die. And they don't know how to pray. They they look back at Peter and John and them getting arrested. and, And they're like, their minds are blown. What if our arrest and our persecution, what if that little deal with Peter and John, what if it was all part of what God is up to? They don't know how to pray. Look at this, this next verse. Now, Lord... We've been talking about the big God in the past tense. Now, present tense, consider their what? In other words, they don't know how to pray. They don't pray, hey, God, do away with our enemies, uh, because who knows, maybe God wants to use their enemies. They don't pray, do away with these mean people, but you know, let them get hemorrhoids or something, because they, maybe God wants to use these mean people. They don't pray, hey, let us don't be arrested or persecuted because maybe God wants us to be arrested and persecuted. They don't know what to say. So they just find this neutral word, God, consider their threats. God, uh, we're hearing their threats. I hope you're hearing them because your sovereign Lord Just consider them. We don't know how to pray. We don't know what to ask for because all the pain that we've been trying to run from, God, you're using that. You use the pain of Jesus on the cross so that we could have a relationship with our Heavenly Father. And they don't know what to pray and what to do. So they just say, God, you're sovereign. You're in charge. You're active. And normally we would pray for comfort and security, and happiness, and God bless me, and help me, but God, if you choose not to bless the way I want you to bless, and if you help, if you don't help me the way I want you to help me, if you don't protect me the way I want you to protect me, God, I want you to do something, and this next part of this verse is such a game changer, guys, Dare I say, none of us in here have ever prayed this, because if we would pray this, it would change your home life. It would change your life. It would change the life of the neighborhood that you live in. It would change your group. It would change your people that you hang out with. It would definitely change this church. And they say, God, listen, if you don't help, if you don't protect, if you don't heal, at least do this one thing. Consider their threats, and here it is. And enable your servants, look what it says, to speak your word with great what? Boldness. You ever prayed that? You ever prayed that at the end of your prayers? God, thanks for the day, because you know, that's what we always say. Help, protect, bless, heal. But God, if you don't help, if you don't protect, if you don't bless me the way I want, God, at least enable me to speak your word with great boldness. You know we don't pray that. You want to know why? Because it's all about us. It's all about our comfort. It's all about what we want. And we think we're sovereign and we're the center of our story. And it's all about our activity. It's all about me and we forget That God has invited you and me into something so much larger than ourselves that invites us to be a player in the midst of what he's up to in the world. You see, here's a principle. God died for me, but it's not about me. Did you know that? Let's say it about you. God died for you, but it's not about you. It isn't. God, who is sovereign, has invited us as players to, into the most important activity in the universe, telling other people about Jesus. You want to, want to know why they could pray that? Enable me to speak your word with great boldness because they understood that sovereign God is gonna do what God wants to do. Not only is he gonna do what he wants to do, but he is currently in their midst doing something. They just seen it, they've experienced it, they've heard it, they've witnessed it, and not only that, now they're beginning to understand that God has invited them into this process. Enable your servants to to speak your word with great boldness. You know what boldness is? Boldness is not volume. Boldness is not that person on the side of the street with the bullhorn screaming, that going to hell and all that stuff. I don't know what that is. That's a freaky, weird stuff. Well, I'm going to talk about that a little bit later. But that's not boldness. And boldness is not even the person on the side of the road honk, your horn for Jesus. That's not boldness. The reason why what I'm doing is not bold. This is my job. I mean, you guys are here in rows and I got to speak to you guys, right? Boldness is simply, boldness is that soft-spoken woman who in the company who just decides, you know what? I'm going to invite that person to church, even though they may reject me. Boldness is when a granddaughter gets in the car and drives two and a half hours to see her grandmother to tell her about Jesus Christ. Boldness is that 35-year-old guy in the company and he, he might lose his job, but he's going to tell somebody about God. Boldness is that second grade teacher who stays after school to help the kid tutor that kid and eventually gets up enough nerve to talk to the parents. Hey, I would love to invite you to my church. Boldness is handing out the invite card. That's boldness. Boldness is handing out the book. Boldness is saying, I know this may be uncomfortable for me and you, but I gotta go for it. Boldness, here it is, is speaking up when the opportunity pops up. That's what boldness is. Speaking up when the opportunity what? Pops up, Right? So here's our big idea today. God, who is sovereign, who is sovereign, has invited us to speak up when the opportunity pops up. That's what boldness is. You see, it's not about our comfort. It's it's about men and women. We said at the very first week, who've been perfectly positioned in somebody else's life. As God creates opportunities, we just walk through, and we make the most of those opportunities. And even though we may lose our job and lose our life, I mean, they had so much to be afraid of. They could be killed. We're not going to be killed. We may get laughed at, yeah. Somebody may make fun of you on social media, okay. You know, uh, you might lose your job, probably not, but might. I mean, but honestly, what do we have to be so afraid of? I got to tell you, I, my, my challenge for us is I, I want us to pray the prayer. And our prayer is simply this. God, enable me to speak your word with boldness. It's going to be up on the screen. Can you say this out loud with me? Enable me to speak your word with boldness. Let's say it one more time. Enable me to speak your word with boldness. I wish I always took every opportunity to do that, but I don't. You want to know why? Because I'm afraid to. And I struggle. Let me tell you about my granddaddy. My granddaddy, Mac. I never knew my my dad's dad, but uh, my mom's dad, his name was Mac Hayes. And Mac Hayes uh, he was the man's man. I mean, he was involved in the Teamsters. He uh, he fought in World War II. Um, he had he was a farmer. He had his own cattle and pigs, and um, and he would hunt deer. We would hunt deer together. And every time I'd show up have a concert, he was there. He would give me pocket knives. He gave me my first gun, a four ten shotgun. And I love my granddaddy Mac. And but. What's so strange about my granddaddy Mac is my entire life, I never saw him go to church. Which was a little weird because he lived literally across the street from the church. Across the street. And my mom, church and God and Jesus have always been a big deal for her. So we always went as kids, even if we didn't want to go to church. I had a drug problem. I got drugged to church all the time. All right? Uh, if I wanted to or not, and my mom was wise enough to say, You know what? I don't care if you don't want to go to church, you're five years old, what do you know? Right? So she would take me to church, but Granddaddy Mac never ever went to church. And uh, I remember you know growing up, and we went across that church, and then we went to another church across the river. And my, and my granddaddy Mac, just a great person, good person. Always laughed, always had a smile on his face. This is one of the only pictures I could find him where he actually wore normal clothes. He had these bib overalls, and he wouldn't wear a shirt underneath them, right? And uh, he just, he sat on out on his porch, and he'd wave at people. It's just a good man. And God ended up calling me into the ministry, and I, I, I served in churches in Iowa, in Virginia, in Alabama. <clears throat> and every time for Christmas, I'd come home, and he says, How's the church? How's the church? And I'm like, good, it was good. It was good. And I felt like God was saying, hey, you need to talk to him about his relationship with God. Don't assume because he's a good person that he's for a forgiven person. So I felt like, okay, I'm gonna start looking for opportunities. But I was afraid. I was a chicken. And he would always ask me the question, how the church is, and I would, you know, kind of, it's good. But I could talk about church. I could talk about religion. You know what I couldn't bring myself to talk about? Jesus. I never could get there. So afraid. We moved back to Tennessee to start one church. And before we start one church, I'm a worship leader at the church across the street from where he lives. Never shows up to church. I would get done leading worship at the church. I would walk across the street where he would be sitting in his overalls, no shirt on, and we would talk. I never would bring myself to talk about Jesus. Started one church, a church for people who don't go to church. Granddaddy never came. And I was just struggling to talk to him about my faith because I love him, and I want to see him in heaven. And he started getting sick, and uh, things started going downhill. I remember one night, you know, I had a choice. I could go home or I could go talk to him at the hospital. And finally, I got up enough courage and nerve to go and speak with him. And it was so awkward and it was so weird because here's a dude who knew me when I was knee-high to a grasshopper. By the way, that's southern slang for when I was months old. And I'm like, granddaddy, you're a really good person, but I don't know, I don't know if you're a forgiven person. And I want to see you in heaven And we sat down, and we talked, and we chatted, and he assured me that he had a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And just a a few months later, he passed away. He passed away at 87 years old, just a few months after that. You know, when I look back on that, I still get choked up about it, because I loved him so much. But you know the reason why I was scared? Because I had forgotten something. I had forgotten that God, sovereign God, who's large and in charge, that he was responsible for the outcome, not scared Chris. And some of you, you're scared to death. So am I. But what hangs in the balance? Eternities hang in the balance. So I'm going to pray for us. The band's going to come out. We're going to sing. But my prayer is that for this week, not for the rest of your life, because, you know, that's a long time, but at least for this week that you would pray that prayer. God, enable me to speak your word with great boldness. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. And God, I pray, God, that you would give us boldness. You would make us be bold. You would not let us be fearful or timid. Lord, that the reason why we have to fish and the reason why we have to speak about it is because it is history. It's an event. And Lord, you don't know history unless somebody tells you. God, I pray that you would make us men in women, Lord, who fall in love with you and fall in love with others. We love you so much, Jesus Christ. It's your precious name that we pray.
1: hear my prayer. I need the perfect words, words that he will hear and know the straight from you. I don't know what to say. I only know it hurts to see my only friend slowly fade away. So maybe Just believe He will never die but how then will He know but He has never heard Lord He has never seen mirrored in my life so maybe this time I'll speak the words of life with your fire in my eyes but that old familiar fear is tearing Go again, talking about the rain and mulling over things that won't live past today. And as I dance around the truth, time is not his friend. This might be my last chance to tell him that you love him, but here I go again. Tearing at my words, what am I so afraid of? Because here I go again, talking about the rain and mulling over things that won't live past today. And as I dance around the truth, time is not as friend. This might be my last chance to tell him that you love him. This might be. so afraid what am i so afraid of